any of you have any um, prayer requests or praise reports? Nothing? Oh, good. Yes. Some family situations that the Lord needs to intervene. He's good at that. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Oh, good. Just a move of the spirit. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And and you see, and that's just perfect. That's my message today. Yeah, your witness. Uh huh. Well, let me tell you this. That's good. Look what you've done. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. They don't even know. Pure as the driven snow, right? Here's the deal. Just because you don't smell like smoke doesn't mean you hadn't been in a furnace. You know what I mean? The, the, the three Hebrew children went in bound. They went in into a furnace that destroyed the ones who threw them in. The ones who bound them were destroyed. The one, when they went in, their chains were melted off. And when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. But because of their witness, their experience purified the Babylonian captivity because they destroyed the idol. So what does a, what does a world of disorder need? A man or a woman in order. That's all you need. That's all you need. If you read Daniel, I encourage you, read Daniel's 12 chapters of amazement. Read Daniel. It is the story of Israel's failure played out before us, right? How is it the story of Israel's failure played out before us? It's 70 years of captivity because they would not repent. They would not obey God, though the prophets warned them for years and years and years and years. Second Chronicles 7.14 was still a scripture at that time. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. They knew that scripture better than me. But they didn't turn. They didn't repent. They didn't obey. They didn't get a healed land. So the Lord entered them into a season of what is chastity. Advertisement. A good old whipping. And so you say, you say, no, no, the Lord would never do that. Check your Hebrews 12 says, What father has a child that he loves that he doesn't discipline? I always love the um, replacement theologists. You know what I mean? The ones who think that the church replaces Israel, which I don't believe in replacement theology. But it's funny to me because if you did truly believe that that the church replaces Israel, then every place of chastisement that you see Israel undergoing, you would step into that and say, that now belongs to me. Every warning would be yours. But so often we like to cherry pick out the scriptures that we think are blessing scriptures and put those in our pocket and take the ones that are chastening scriptures, you know what I mean, and go, that's for Israel. <laughs> that's for, that, was, that was the God of the Old Testament, as if he's not the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So what it is is that we just don't know how to often read the Bible through the lens of interpreting Scripture with actual Hebrew ears because it's not written to us. It's written for us. So you have to get who it's written to and through or you completely corrupt the message. But we're going to talk about being a witness day, Revelation. Now, if you were here last week, I told you to go and look at the one-third, and they poured out. Let me see where we're at here. Let's pull it up here. No, I'm going to go here. Revelation 9. I'm going to, I'm going to move so fast today because I want to get through 9 and 10. I just want to hit this for you. Yes, you can have those. Those, I may not, yeah, you can give them out. You can give those out. Let's do Tree of Life version. I'm going to Revelation. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. My nose is running. Anybody have a Kleenex? No? Well, thanks. I can use my shirt. <laughs> yeah, if anybody has a Kleenex, that would be great. No, I don't want to use one. No, thank you. I'm not that desperate yet. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, my eye, my eye runs, my nose runs. So here we go. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Okay. Okay, so I'm just going to read this. Y'all at Revelation 9 and 1, those scriptures I gave you, those are the day of the Lord scriptures. I thought you would enjoy reading those together in context throughout the Bible. You'll start to see how the day of the Lord looks. They're all the day of the Lord. What is that when I say the day of the Lord, what does that mean to you? What is the day of the Lord? The return of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the return of the Lord. When you put those into context and you begin to see the day of the Lord is not a New Testament only reality. It's all through the Bible. And you see the day of the Lord's scriptures, you begin to see that things start to emerge and you go, wait a second, there's going to be, and you'll read from those scriptures, there's going to be one thing that's always constant. There's clouds. Now you may think, well, huh, that's, we have clouds now, that's no big deal. Mm-mm. No, you don't understand. The cloud, the cloud that whenever God shows up in a, what's called a theopony, in the Old Testament it's called a theopony, it's an appearing of the Lord before his incarnation. When he shows up, there's clouds. The cloud that came, the pillar of cloud, if you could imagine, it would have been like a mushroom. Well, but this is not going to be, this is the Lord's cloud, not man's cloud. Or the devil's cloud. And so it's going to, whenever the cloud, see that canopy of God, it was, it was a theopony. It was fire, it was, it was cloud by day and fire by night. So what that tells us is that when the sun went down at night, the reality, there had, that cloud had two realities. You couldn't see the light when the sun was shining. But when the sun went down... It didn't become something else. The darkness showed you what the, it was, it was like, it was a luminescence. But then when the sun was up, it was this cloud and it came up and it says that it could move and obviously change some sort of form because this cloud stood between Israel and Pharaoh's army, right? So that they could, I don't know, I, I think maybe you're like this little, no. It's a cloud, I mean, this is like a cloud you get lost in. A, literally, you can't pass through it. Because if they could have, they would have. And so God held Pharaoh's army, but the cloud, the theopony, it was his manifest presence on earth. And then where did that cloud go? It followed them, right? And ultimately, where did the cloud set up in mass? On the mountain of Sinai. And it was thunder and lightning and the cloud was there. And it was, and the Bible says it became a canopy, which is the Hebrew word hoopah. How many of you know what a hoopah is? It's a, it sounds like a fun thing, right? It's the canopy that you'll see at a Jewish wedding. A hoopah is, the, is a house, a canopy. And so the hoopah set up over the mountain, and God gave ten vows, and he gave a signet. He, he himself carved out tablets as their, as their um, certificate, but also as what they would treasure and have hold of 
What, what you're seeing on Sinai is a marriage. There's a hoopah. There was a ritual bath. They said, cleanse yourself because tomorrow you're going to see the Lord. That's called the mikvah. It's a Hebrew term for the ritual bath a bride would have before the wedding. And then there are, there's the commands. There's another Hebrew word from that, and I can't remember. Mikvah, the chuba. Thank you, Lord. The chuba, those are the commands. And then it was all done under the hoopah, the cloud. And then what always comes after a wedding is a ceremonial feast. And the 70 elders came halfway up the mountain. And what did they do? They had a meal. You just witnessed a wedding in Sinai. See, the Lord has put it all in there for you to see. And so now... Well, we see, we have a covenant that's forced. And when we read, read Hosea, in light of that, read Hosea, when he tells Hosea, go marry a prostitute. You Israel, oh, y'all want to be like Israel? He did that as a, it was a, it was a, a demonstration, a prophetic demonstration of Israel's unfaithfulness. Go marry a prostitute, Hosea. I want to demonstrate my heart to my covenant people. This is how I feel. Go marry a prostitute. Bring her out of prostitution and love her. Bring her in. Give her everything. Give her everything. Everything she could imagine. Give it to her. And what did Gomer do? Went back into prostitution. Hosea, go get her again. You need to read your Bible, folks. It's all in there. Go get, go, go get her. Bring her back. Read the name of her children. The forsaken of... The so go get... So bring them back. Bring her back. Even though she's a harlot, receive her back. This is all... A portrait of God's dealing with his covenant people. How many of you are covenant people? Yeah, how many people you see? Just harlots, harlots, harlots. And see, God, another... Oh, just amazing scripture. It's in Ezekiel where I don't even know the chapter, but you can find it. It says, I saw you as an infant laying in your blood. Your umbilical cord was not cut. Talking about Israel. Another, another metaphor. Your umbilical cord was not cut. Somebody had trashed you as a baby. Think of that. He said, but I saw you. That's how he says, I saw you as Israel. You were like a baby who was discarded. I saw you in the trash heap. Your umbilical cord was not cut. But I saw you and I took compassion on you. And I picked you up. And I rubbed salt on you. And I cleansed you. And I wiped and I and I cut your cord. And I put clothes on you. And you grew up. And you grew and you became mature. And you became a mature woman. Then I married you. He's talking about, God's talking about Israel. And he said, in all that, you spurned me. You've left me. So that, this, is the, this is the biblical narrative we're in. See, we're stepping in this biblical narrative. And you can't divorce the biblical narrative, what it means, or you've missed the message entirely. And you run the risk of doing what I said is the most dangerous thing for our day is deception. You run the risk of turning the 144,000 into a cultic thing that Jehovah's Witnesses are out knocking the doors all the time, trying to get to be a part of the great multitude. I mean, Revelation has been used, divorced from the Old Testament, has been the scriptures has been divorced from the Old Testament and has been used throughout the years to start the majority of cults. David Koresh, after reading Revelation and reading Revelation and reading Revelation, divorced from the actual Spirit of God, divorced from the actual text itself, decided he was Jesus Christ. 
And see, this is what I often fear in the house of God. I went to an end times conference and I think, and Mike turned over to me. It wasn't an assembly of God, and, which is sometimes dangerous. I thought it was going to be end times. It was just, it was really, it was disappointing, wasn't it, Mike? We left today early. It was like, <sighs> just a bunch of disenfranchised people who are mad at church is what it turned out. A thousand of them. Is that not true? As one guy got up and he said, you know, we have one pastor. He asked it. They said, would all of our senior pastors stand up? And there's only like six. I went, uh-oh. And then the, the first speaker announced his pastor. And he said, you know, he finally got off his pastor's podium or pedestal. I was like, oh, brother. What do we got here? A bunch of disenfranchised, mad people who had better ideas about how church should be run than the leadership because they had a tons of ideas and no application because the one with the ideas is the ideas, guys, are the lightest thing on the planet. We're not short of ideas. The next time somebody comes to me while I'm at the plow and tells me a better way to plow, I'm going to pull my gloves off and say, get at it, bud. Show me, sweetheart. I need a drink. You see what I'm saying? If you're not, you know, the person. Here's a little quote from Ahab. Love Ahab sometimes. You know, he was a terrible guy, but he had a great, this is the greatest quote of Ahab you'll ever hear. The man who puts his armor on ought not boast like the man who takes it off. In other words... Meet me after we're finished and we'll talk. We'll compare notes when we're done. You know, people who come to me with tons of great ideas, I just want to say, let's, let's table this and let's revisit it in 10 years. Why? Why do I say that? Because they won't be there in 10 years. They're going to be out, you know, surfing Internet channels trying to find a church that will agree with them. That's why you need not to forsake. See, this is in the room. I don't plan these things. They're in the room. That's why I know I'm here. So here goes. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together with those who are of like face, especially when you see that day approaching. What does that mean? What does that mean, Andrea? When you see that day, the day of the Lord, you got the scriptures there. When you see that day approaching, don't forsake the assembling of yourself. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but maybe, maybe you can give this to a neighbor you know. Maybe you've had these thoughts yourself. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see that day approaching. Because, here's the reality, you are so susceptible to deception when you disenfranchise from the body. You may not agree with everything I say, and you, or you may not like me all the time, and you may not, I may not like you all the time. You'll see that? And you may not like each other all the time. That's how it works. See, that is the conflict in the body that we need to stay safe in these end times. You need it. If every time you get offended because somebody hurts your little ideology, you run to another, you jump ship and go somewhere, you're the most immature person in the room. And the most immature people are generally those in around adolescent age. You know, teenagers, they think they know everything and they know nothing. See, many people, they get to their adolescence spiritually. And all they do is rebel against authority. They listen and go, I disagree. But here's the problem with them. Just like teenagers, they have all the answers and zero results. So here's my, here's my medicine to you. Sit down, close your mouth, open your ears, and grow. You might not know as much as you think. And when you get to the place where you realize how little you know, you have finally started to reach the boundaries of maturity. So here we are. 
Then the fifth angel trumpeted, and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He opened the pit, and smoke rose from the pit like a smoke of a gigantic furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the pit. And from the smoke came locusts upon the earth. The power was given to them like scorpions that have power on the earth. They were told, do not harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or tree, but... This is Revelation, y'all. It's not in your paper. But only the tree that you do not have. This, the only, but only the people who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. Heard everybody, but the ones who are sealed. That ought to be a standout situation, do you think? It's like, it's like you know, we just came out of COVID. Now, let's just, let's just make a pan. Let's just turn this in because I think we can all understand a pandemic situation, right? Can you imagine a, a pandemic and we called the we called the last one a plandemic. This one will be a plandemic too. It'll be the plan of God. So we have the this we have this plandemic, this pandemic going forth, and it's this it's this demonic. Don't be looking for natural locusts. I don't think you'll find them. I, it's just my I think these are demonic. I think because of the way they're described, they're clearly they have hair like a woman and this and that. They have they have these are things that you see in the supernatural realm, right? These are these are not things of our earth. These are this is a this is a realm that you don't see. It's a spiritual realm. Now just imagine that God's got these locusts, this demon army going, yeah, no, you're not for this time. They can't move. But an angel comes down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit. You like my sound effects? It's a good one. <laughs> That's good. <sighs> <That's good. laughs> y'all all, y'all all got demon locusts after you now. Y'all are like, God, if I'm not, if I'm here, I want to be sealed or I want to be gone, something, you know. So we've got, so we've got these, we've got these demonic locusts and, and in this, but there is a manifestation. See, there's a, there's a spiritual, see, everything that happened so many times, not everything, but a great number of things that happened in the natural realm had a supernatural realm start that you never saw. You just see the natural realm reality. You know, like sometimes when you have a big blow up in your family or something, how many of you can pinpoint the demon that's causing it? You know, what I, you know or how many times if you have, a, maybe you have a sickness in your body. Most people, we just attack only the the natural side. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You know, medicine is for the natural side. And how many of you thank God for medicine? You know, it's good because it's man's attempt at soothing and, and sometimes mending and sometimes healing entirely. And I thank God for the wisdom that he's given us. But see, on the other side, sickness and death and disease is caused by at large demonics because, you know, demonic situations, right? Because of the fall of man and sometimes specifically in a life of an individual or family. It's just, it's just the way it works. And so that's why many, you have to, you can't just look at the natural things. I mean, you'll see that many times, that things will be in, in person's life. And, and we inadvertently, because of how we engage with the biblical narrative, we don't take things seriously where we need to take them seriously. You know what I mean? We like, we're like, we, we like to pick and choose what we like, and, you know, and, and it's so funny. Israel's obe disobedience was a big deal, but my, obedience is, my disobedience is not quite so big. That's just how people, pro do you, have you ever known it? Have you ever processed that way? Come on. Have you ever done something you know is wrong, but somehow you have fit it into some working of grace that will cover it just for you? Deception. See, we, we have to realize that what we're working in, you know what I mean? We have to let the Bible penetrate our lives instead of us trying to cajole the Bible into, to fit our lives. So we've got these demon locusts. In those days, people will seek death. 
that will not find it. And they will long to die, but death will not flee from them. Will flee from them. Now the appearance of these locusts were like horses prepared for battle, and on their head was something like crowns of gold, and their faces were like human faces, and they had hair like a woman's hair, and their teeth were like those of lions. Wow. And they had chests of iron breastplates, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many horse-drawn chariots rushing to battle. And they have tails like scorpions and stingers and their tails and their power is to harm people for five months five months how long was the how long is five months 150 days how long was the water of noah noah's flood how long was the water on the earth five months so you start seeing that they were five months so we're we're, what what is that communicating to us we're in a judgment situation okay so the sixth angel trumpeted And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, and it said the sixth angel to the one holding the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the river Euphrates. So we've got in these, I mean, we've got some, the spirit realm hadn't even, is engaging at another level, right? And so now we've got four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who have been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind, The number of mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number, John said. Is this a natural army or demonic army? I don't know. It could be a little of both. But that's what I wait a minute. That's what you said. They were bound. They were bound. They're bound right now. So it means were they held back or were they bound up? What do you mean? In other words, like if it's it's demonic, Mm -hmm. it's a confinement. They're bound up. It says they're, they're bound by God. So they're bound by God and they're prepared, it said, for the day and the hour and the month and the year. The church is not doing it. I mean, this is, God, this is all on the plane of God's sovereignty right here. Because they are prepared for the day and the hour and the month. and the, the exa- In other words, the exact time is already planned in the mind of God. It's done. There's a time. There's a time for it. Can you just imagine... Like, we're going to be walking along on our, on our Kairos. No, Kronos. La-di-da-di-da. It's whatever today is. July, the blah, 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 20th. And we're going to be going along. And then just, see, that's, a, that's, a, that's our Kronos. That's just natural time. And then God's time is called appointed time. There's an appointment in time. And that's the Kairos. That's the Greek word, an appointed time. And then when you step from on, the Kronos and the Kairos meet, you step through, and all of a sudden, it's done. You can't. How many of y'all can back up on your timeline? You ever tried? You wanted to, haven't you? <laughs> I know. You've been more, yeah, but you, got, you can't. Once you step, and see, when you step over that appointed time, you, it's, it's, it's there. See, it's already an appointment. That's my point there. It's already an appointment. It's not an appointment. You're not controlling it. I'm not controlling it. This is, this is released by a trumpet. Heaven, the angels are sounding the trumpet. The trumpet causes a chain reaction. An angel comes down, releases. Re- this is all heaven is initiating this, but there is an earth's response, right? Something happens on earth as a result. Then I saw the horses and those riding them, and they had breastplates on them. They were fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were heads of lions, and out of their mouth came fire and smoke and brimstone. By these plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and brimstone that came out of their mouths. For the power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails were like serpents. We have scorpions. We have serpents. Having heads which inflict injuries. But the rest of mankind, those not killed by the plagues, did not repent or turn away from the works of their hands. They would not stop worshiping demons and the idols of gold and silver, of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or walk. They did not repent nor turn away from their murders, their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their stealing. I would say that probably sexual immorality is one of the greatest atrocities in the house of God today. I know statistically that 60%, 50 to 60% of people who call themselves born-again Christians are hooked on pornography.
You say, why do you do that, Andrew? It's so uncomfortable. Good. This is way more comfortable than what we're coming to. This is way more comfortable than what we're talking about there. You know, this is, we need to be talking about this being uncomfortable. You know, so many people are talking about, uh, about sex trafficking, right? That movie that came, I, that's great. That's great. I'm glad that it's getting awareness for sure, for sure, for sure. But people are like, what do we do to stop sex trafficking? Stop looking at pornography. Because every time you view pornography, you are endorsing the exploitation of women and children. Congratulations, you're on team sexual exploitation. Internet sites that are visited the most. Porn sites, more than any other site combined. Add them all up and it's higher. Why? They did not repent and turn away from their murderers, their sorceries, or their sexual or immorality or their stealing. Stealing is defined as taking something that belongs to another. Would a man rob God? I just let that one stay. Am I reading the Bible or am I reading the Quran? See, it's not, it's, see what I'm saying here is that when we look at it, it, it may be, it, it may be jolting. It only jolts, it only jolts in places that you're not submitted. You only struggle where you're not surrendered. You do. I, me too. I only struggle where I'm not surrendered. You can't struggle with a surrendered person. Is that true or not? If I don't, if I don't wrestle, me and Yvonne could go at it and I won't wrestle. There's no struggle. She won, won instantly. That's how God wants to be with us. When he comes with his word, not to struggle, but him, you just go, I'm, yeah, you win. See, so many times the hand, he's the potter and we're the clay, right? The hand of the potter is on the clay. It's shaping the clay. And we so many times, we're like, why, why, why? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And so many years ago, God spoke to Mike the most profound words. He said, he's like, God, I can't stand the pressure. I can't stand the pressure. I can't stand the pressure that I'm under. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, pressure. He said, that's my hands on you. He said, but what's the pressure? He said, it's you unreconciled to my will. (laughs) just form why you gotta fight so hard because you know in the fighting against his will what's it gonna do to the clay here how many people are tired of having to go through the forming process again you know what i mean get you back when you get out of the center of his wheel, have you ever seen a potter? That, that guy keeps that clay right in the center of his wheel. And I'm just going to have to go one further on this. The wheels, it says. The wheels. Ancient pottery was made with two wheels. One wheel was under the potter's feet. The other with a shaft on another wheel. So if you would get your wheel under the, the potter's feet... You get his wheel above your wheel, and you get in the center of his wheel and stop trying to make your wheel his wheel. It just keeps getting distorted. And you go around the... Am I talking to anybody? Has anybody ever experienced these things? I mean, you can fight and fight and blame everybody else. Surrender is the hardest, easy thing you'll ever do. <laughs> but once, once you do it, once you, and you just can't not, you can't, when it's the surrender, it's the jumping off the cliff. You can't semi-do that, can you? You can't sort of, ki- I can't leave a foot and a leg and a nose behind. Right? I mean, you heard... You heard Mike's story about jumping off the cliff. What he doesn't say is he took me there. I were dating. This was the vetting if I was going to be an appropriate wife. Here I am. I'm 16 years old. And it's like, hey, let's go jump off the Bridgeport Dam. Okay. 
all the way over there, I'm hoping we have a wreck. You know what I'm saying? A flat tire, you know, a minor fender bender, one that just stops us. We get there, and I'm like, I mean, you know, I've driven by the Bridgeport Dam many times, and it looked pretty high. You know, we're talking about, it looked like Hoover Dam, and so kind of built like that, too. And so he's like, I said, what do we do? And it says everywhere, posted, no jumping. Posted, no jumping. So we park. You know, I got my shorts on and my T-shirt. I'm getting in my bathing suit. All is, It's just me and him and all of his buddies. Here we go. Here we go. So it's like, you get up, and we're on the dam. See, the dam, there's, there's razor wire right here because they don't want people out there. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. 60 feet. That's a long way. And I'm like... And so his, his best friend could do, he was an acrobat. He does a one-and-a-half gainer off of it. Next guy jumps off. You know, it's a, it's a little less pretty. You know what I'm saying? And then Mike, he's like, you can do it. He said, he said just when you jump, his last words, when you jump, just make sure you jump out because you don't want to hit the concrete because the concrete arches like this. Is that not right? He said, he said, like this. I'm like, okay. He jumps and he jumps out and he's gone. He's in the water. Then he's back, wait, a little speck in the water. Come on. It's fine. There's this old man and a woman in a John boat over here. They're trying to be the voice of reason. They're over here fishing, and they're going, they're waving their arms at me going, don't do it. Don't do it. You don't have to do it. They're doing that. I swear, it's a true story. And I look at them, and I'm like, okay, if I don't do it, I'm going to be in the John Boat crowd. You know what I mean? Old people and all my friends are in the water. So what do I do? I do. Man, I jump. And when I jump, I decided I didn't want to do it. I want to be in the John Boat crowd now. Once I la- I mean, I'm jumping. And so I start trying to climb. You know what I mean? I'm in air. I am climbing. I'm climbing Jacob's ladder. I don't know. I mean, I'm climbing. The invisible ladder. I'm just moving. I'm trying to grab hold. It's not happening. Gravity is winning. So I enter the water in less than desirable ways. You know what I mean? Slough. I mean, it's like I finally surface and I'm like, I said, I don't want to ever do that again. I did never did it again. No. <laughs> but he thought at that day, I guess, I have found the right idiot for me. If your friends tell you to jump off a cliff, will you? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I say. You can't. You can't, so when you think of surrender, I hope that image comes in your mind. You can't just sort of kind of surrender. you got to commit, and I'm telling you, let me just add this little bit to you. Everybody's surrender looks different. You know, uh, his friend James Lovell, his surrender looked like a swan die. I mean, it was, it was like, you're like, nine, 9.5. I mean, no splash. He dove head first. I mean, the man was a, it was, a, it, it was unbelievable. He could do anything. You could give him a second with it. We were playing horseshoes. Never played horseshoes a day in his life. Four throws, they were all over the place. By the fifth one, it was a ringer every single time. It's just that kind, you know, those kind of people. That's who he was. And so then the other guy jumps, it's a little less, and everybody's jump was a little less. Everybody's surrender looks a little different. We all might like to think that we're the swan dive surrender, right? But some, I'm telling you, some of y'all's surrender is ugly. <laughs> yeah. some, some of your surrender was painful when you hit. Yeah, well, 
Exactly. Now, this must be something in my family. I had a cousin who's older than me, and she was dared to jump off of a cliff at Possum Kingdom Lake called Hell's Gates. It's 110 feet high. She jumped. This is what they do professional diving. She jumped and landed somehow awkwardly. It knocked her out. And so they fished her out of the water, and she was, she was bruised from head to toe. The funny part of that story is that she married a rich man and she now owns a house at the top of Hell's Gates. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> She's like, I'll claim this. <laughs> so we see that. Your surrender. We have to surrender. We don't want to be in that crowd. We're still trying to hang on to our sin and justify it. You know what I mean? And you know that you think sometimes the Lord puts you in challenging situations, brings people in your life, and you don't like them. You, you have, a con have you ever had a conflict with a person? I'm just, I, don't, I didn't know if I was talking to people or not. And you know what? Here's what me and Mike have learned in our life. That person that we have a conflict with, and it seems like the sovereign hand of God has just placed us there. And it's like... If they're, not, if they're not changing, it's you. See, that's part of, that's the circumstance. That's the circumstance God's putting you in to shape you. And if you keep aborting circumstance all the time, you know what I mean? You keep jumping off the wheel. You won't stay in that place and let the Lord. You know, I see this all the time people with jobs. Let's just go here. I didn't like that job. They didn't see my, they didn't see my potential. I just don't pay me enough. They'll see my potential. I'm going to quit and go find another one. And they do, this is their work history, and they do this forever. And everywhere they go, they still run into the same problem. And pretty soon they're just not, they're not hireable because the problem is not with their potential. It's not with, it's not with the job. It's not with anything. The problem is right there with them everywhere they go. They keep finding the same thing. It's because it's the Lord putting them in circumstances to try and shape that out of them. What do I do, Andrea? What do I do if I get a job and the boss doesn't see my potential and everybody's treating me wrong? Suck it up, buttercup. There's your, there's your profound words. Suck it up. Do it until you like it. You think that you think that I, I have a different standard. I don't. I promise you. My son started working for Richard Bainey when he was 13 years old. The first day he went out there, he learned how to drive a standard and back a trailer. I mean, that's just going to be, it's on the farm. And I, I did think, you know, and Richard was great because he helped him. He, he, he took what they could do and he added to it. And Jacob is a very smart, at 13, I don't think Richard knew how young he was. He and another guy who were, I think the other guy was 16 because he could drive. And he'd pick Jacob up and they'd go to work. And so they worked. And as, oh, it's a, no, not mine. So as that, that's okay. That's okay. So as they, would, as they would go to work then, it was hard work. Working in the heat of the day, um, stringing fences. He's 13. He's learning how to do farm work. To use, the first year he couldn't use a chainsaw, but he could use a weed eater. And he could use a rake. And Richard would show him how to do everything, and they had to do it. He worked eight hours a day. Richard came to him his first year, and he said, he said, how much money should I pay you? Richard asked him that. And Jacob said, $10 an hour. He said, that sounds fair. So he paid him $10 an hour. That was his first year. His second year, Richard gave him a raise. Now, the, after the first year, Jacob said, I'm not going back. Because he didn't like it. Because you know what? He was 13. And 107 is 107. And raking leaves until for eight hours a day and, and weed eating sucks. I don't care who you are. You get tired of it. You know what I mean? It's just bad. It's back breaking. And then you start. And then he, he introduced them to a T-post and a T-post driver. I mean, and not, and not only that. Now, Jacob is allergic to poison ivy. Allergic. Every year, Jacob would be eaten up with, he'd have like, it looks like lacerations on his body, all over his arms, on his neck, everywhere on his body, because he's so allergic to poison ivy. 
So he, we try to, he, he, he finally found, we go get a steroid shot, but then that caused other, it's just not, steroids are not great. So it caused other problems. It caused like other skin anomalies to come up. And so he learned that he could come in in the afternoon and he could go into the bathroom and take a rag and scrub the poison ivy until it broke open and pour vinegar on it. And he would go, and it dried up. He still has scars all over his body where he had poison ivy. He did that when he was 13, 14. Now, some of you are thinking, I'm so glad you're not my mama. I prayed, I prayed, God, don't let me raise a son who doesn't know how to work. I, I did not. I did not. I, I'm, I'm responsible for his manhood. And I don't, you know, in, in being a, in, in, you know, being in a, a pastoral situation, we, you know, Mike was raised working hard and I was raised working hard, but we don't have that. You know what I mean? What's he going to do? I mean, he can, not that the church is not hard work, but it's a different kind of work. It's a different kind of work. It's harder in every aspect. You just don't understand it. It's much harder than physical. Physical labor is easy. Mental labor's, labor is hard. But if he could, I knew he was called into the ministry. If he couldn't get physical labor down, he would never last through the labor of ministry. And so 13, 14, into 14. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it anymore. I hate it. Richard was hard on him. He needed to be. He wasn't some little soft boss. They did it wrong. What are y'all doing? He let them make mistakes like the day that they tried to take the air compressor. They thought it was the, the power washer. He watched them get the air compressor out and try to hook hoses up to it because they thought he just let them go. Until finally they said, something's wrong, Richard. He said, you think? That is an air compressor, not a power washer. And so all, and see, some of you are like, that's just mean. That's just mean. No, it's not. It's like, see, this is shaping. 13, 14, not going back. Okay, Jacob, you don't have to. You don't have to. You can go get a job at Sonic. You can go, you know, but he's making good money now. He's on up there. He's like, ah. Oh. He's like, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. So he started getting up, and he would work and try to, he would be, he would be out there by 7 in the morning. Because it's so hot, and then try to work, you know, work all eight hours a day, and then, and then, um, the year before his senior year of high school, he decided that he was not. He felt the Lord call him to donate fifty percent of his wages to Speed the Light. So he worked and gave fifty percent of his wages away, and then he would also get other mowing jobs and things and go mow after he got off from mowing. I honestly didn't want him to give 50% of his wages away. Because I thought, that's a lot. Isn't that funny? But I was like, I'm not going to stop him. And that year, this church was able to raise $10,000 for Speed the Light. So see, that was 14, 15, 16. Every year, I'm not going back. You don't have to, Jacob. It's up to you. Poison Ivy. The whole th- I mean, this is not, it never went away. 16, 17. 18. And by the time that he finished out there his last year, he said, Mom, I did it. I said, what? He said, I worked for Richard until I appreciate the job. He said, I worked for him long enough that I wanted to work for him. And that is a teenage boy. You know where he's at now? He's on staff at a church. And now, see, that was preparation. And if I had tried to rescue him. See, here, here's a word for the parents in here. you got to let your kids face the lions and the bears. They'll never be prepared for a giant. You know, they hit, a, and I know moms and dads, I know how it is. I know how it is when a teacher is, is mean to them and you want to jerk them out of school and give them a new school. Stop. Stop. Do you think the world's always going to park, put it in park, and, and they're going to be able to get off on another stop? They're not. If, they, if the teacher treats them wrong, that's terrible. That's terrible. It is. It's not a good thing. But tell them to suck it up and deal with it. 
See, some of you don't like that. That's what I did with my daughter, a coach. He, he was wrong. He was wrong. I tried to talk to him. He was wrong. I couldn't change him. I said, Laney's going to punish you for this. I said, you know what? I said, he's the authority, and here's my job for you. I said, I don't think he's a very wise or smart man. I just don't. But that's beside the point. He's still your authority. I said, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to win him with your good conduct. It would have been better if some of you had had these lessons in childhood. See, this is what it means for us to, to live as a witness. See, this is what the Lord is trying to produce. He's trying to produce a vessel of honor fit for the master's use. He's not promising you something that's going to be easy and everybody's going to, I'm telling you, I'm telling you if, you, if it's hard, good. It's an opportunity for you to excel. If they rub you the wrong way, good. It's an opportunity for you to make peace. If they slap you on one cheek, good. It's an opportunity for you to turn to them the other also. If they ask you for your coke, good. Give them your cloak too. It's an opportunity for you to manifest the kingdom of God and to put down your old nature to the place that it's not trying to run the show. I promise you, if you can get your feelings out of the driver's seat, you will live a victorious life. Your, your feelings are blind guides. They will lead you into a ditch. And this is the best word you will hear. Trust God and do not let a circumstance make you quit. If you got offended, sometimes it was just unjust. But if you get offended, sometimes you need to be offended. So here, this is, and you know what? And if a 13-year-old boy can do it until he gets there, until he appreciates it, until he wanted to go to work. And he's told me before, he said, doing ministry, Mom, he said, there's been many days I've gotten up and wish I was going to Richard's and getting on a weed eater instead of doing what I'm doing now. But without the weed eater, he wouldn't have been prepared for the microphone. We're dismissed. It's early too, y'all. Might as well stop. We might as well stop there. Did you put it in the password? Yeah. And it's a mess. Because it's really about that long. Yeah. But so I just barely touched the surface. I just put a few things in there because it's been such a long journey. There's been a lot of things. Paper, paper. Thank you.